Welcome to Fifth Draw Wild, everybody. I'm Matt, and with me today is Sky. Sky, thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm very excited to talk about Ninja Turtles. Awesome. So am I. And uh, yeah, we're, we're talking about Ninja Turtles today. We're going to look at kind of stuff from the entire breadth of that franchise, which is going to be really exciting. Sky, you know, you brought this uh, this topic up. So uh, what's your history with Ninja Turtles? Oh, it's it goes back as I'm 30 years old now, and I, it's a difficult thing to find a photograph of me from the age of, you know... <laughs> <laughs> over two without a Ninja Turtle in hand, you know, including today's day. But I've been a lifelong fan. I watched the original series. I've seen basically everything, including the weird anime that didn't uh, really make its way back here, where the turtles uh, can further mutate and join Voltron style into one super being. But yeah, I, I love the turtles very deeply. I own way more Ninja Turtle shirts now as an adult than I ever did as a kid. And I was super stoked when I found the trade paperback with uh, the original comics. And um, yeah, I just I just love them so, so much. It's, it's such a weird thing for me to get hooked on but uh i just i just love them well awesome you mentioned the the trade paperback i'm guessing that's the original the original comic book there it was and is i suppose yeah and that's that's where we want to start today so uh and tell us about the origin of the ninja turtles there tell us about that uh, that first thing that started it off the weirdest thing is this was basically two friends eastman and laird they were living together and the first drawing was just it was I guess it would have to be Michelangelo because it was a turtle that uh, was a mutant that had uh, a nunchuck strapped to its uh, its arm. And they thought it was hilarious. And then I believe it was the Eastman who drew the first one. And then Laird, not to be outdone, drew four more with various ninja weapons, um, the ones that we've come to know. Because these two nerds were living together, they, uh, they wanted to get into comics, but they didn't know how to do it. And then they looked around at uh, what was popular in the day, which was New Mutants by uh, Chris Claremont. I forget who was drawing at the time, but uh, the New Mutants from... You know, an offshoot of X-Men and then uh, Frank Miller's uh, Daredevil. So they wrote a plot about uh, some mutant ninja turtles because uh, the hand was uh, attacking Daredevil a bunch. So they made their uh, opposing ninja clan <laughs> the foot. This is appropriate. And they wrote this uh, this one uh, issue arc where the turtles were getting, I don't know if revenge is the right word, but they were settling a score between Orokusaki and Hamato Yoshi. It was supposed to end there um, because they killed Shredder at the end of it. Spoilers for a comic that's, you know, 30 years old because they didn't expect it to be popular. And it's the stupidest thing anybody's come up with. So why would it have been popular? But it, uh, it caught and it grew into an incredible franchise so when you know the original run ran out and they kept demanding more printings they're like all right well let's see if we can do this as a real thing this is gonna sound weird to say but uh the teenage mutant ninja turtle comics got super weird real fast uh (laughs) 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 like (laughs) in issue five i think it is they get sucked into space by the utrob and they start dealing with the triceratons and become gladiators in the triceria triceraton battle arena like it starts real weird and it just never stops and i love that so much because they just embrace the whole the whole weirdness of it all that definitely sounds like a trait that just maintains throughout kind of every iteration <laughs> of the franchise which which has turned out to be a really nice touch yeah because like they can do basically whatever they want because it's already such an incredibly odd premise if you're reading the book you've already signed up so they can do you know whatever it's fine uh, one of the best things about uh, that original eastman and laird run is i i would say is the art because I, i'm not saying eastman and laird are bad artists but it is crude enough that like as a kid you can look at that and you're like i can draw that and then you start drawing turtles and then you get interested in other comics and stuff and that's more or less how i <laughs> i came to start drawing and what have you nice well uh, i i know a little bit about those old old uh old comics uh not nearly as much as i should or want to know but <laughs> you know i know some things about it. like they were they were a much uh much meaner a bit more brutal of a type of comic there 
at times, right? Yeah, the turtles in the initial comic didn't hold back like the turtles from the cartoon that came out in the 80s. They didn't hesitate to cut down Foot Ninja or stab him and throw him off buildings and stuff. In fact, Shredder dies when Donatello jacks him in the face with his staff. He falls off a building and then gets exploded with a thermite grenade. I mean, he gets better, but that is how that is how he died. That first issue is full of the turtles getting slashed and cut up by Foot Ninja before they face off with the Shredder. So a little bit different premise than, uh, than a lot of the modern stuff. Well, again, they never thought there was going to be a second issue. So like, well, why wouldn't we have them murder a bunch of dudes? That's that's a that's a fair thought from, from yeah. you guys starting out. Yeah, I thought so. And this is a comic book that ran for a while, right? With the two oh, of them yeah. kind of in charge uh, of it? I think it launched in, what was it, like 83 and ran till 2010 was uh, the full run from uh, oh, Mirage wow. Studios. Yeah, that's that's an impressive run by just about every single standard. Yeah, I, I mean, Eastman and Laird weren't writing and drawing the whole time. Like eventually Archie Comics had it uh, for a little bit. You know, a whole bunch of different artists have come and go gone. But uh, yeah, there's they've done so much with the Turtles because they're very versatile characters because you've got the, the standard uh, group dynamic and you have them play off each other. And there's that story that they can't get away from telling where Raph and Leonardo are at odds every single time. <laughs> We're going to come back to that story four more times tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, that's kind of what I I love the first Ninja Turtle movie a lot. I will stand up and say that's one of the best movies ever made. And it, of course, has the farm and it has the dynamic between Raph and Leo where they have to argue and whatever. And that's it's fine. We don't need to go back to that well every single time. They can grow as characters, too. Uh, The original or the original cartoon, Raphael couldn't be angry and stabby like he is in (laughs) in the comic book because that's harder to sell to children parents don't like that yeah so Raphael became cool but rude rather than uh stabby and extremely angry it's easier to sell that way yeah no it it definitely is and when their target audience kind of downshifted a couple of age gaps (laughs) that makes that makes sense that original cartoon ran for 10 seasons i have each of the dvds and i bought them over a period of like 12 years because they were releasing them very slowly and then once they were all out they're like hey we'll sell them to you all in one awesome ninja turtle van uh dvd holder and i missed out entirely because i already had them all made me so mad because I, I spent the time and the years waiting. And they finally, ugh, jerks. Watching the original cartoon, you remember everybody just kind of being goofy. But like Leonardo is all business in that original cartoon for the early the first season. He's constantly like, we need to go and do this. We need to stop Shredder. And then everybody else is kind of having a good time. My, my memory of that is it, it was hard to differentiate Mikey and Donnie without the headbands <laughs> in that original yeah. one. Well, Donatello does machines. Oh, right. <laughs> How could I have forgotten? <laughs> it's right there in the theme song, man. <laughs> kind of shifting shifting down into the 90s. Um, you talked about the first movie a little bit, but uh, the so one good. we want to focus on is the uh, the mainstay of my childhood movie watching experience. <laughs> a movie that I will never try to defend as a good movie, but one that I will watch any time I get an opportunity uh, is Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze. Do you know what the secret is in the ooze? I don't think anyone knows what the secret of that ooze is. It's because that movie got cut to death in editing. Um, because as it was, you know, the TCRI guy, or excuse me, the TGRI guy in that movie was supposed to be an Utram. He was supposed to, at the end of it, lift up his shirt and reveal to have the little crane the brain in his tummy. Oh. That was going to be the secret is the ooze was developed by the Utram by accident. That would have been so much better. 
it would have made sense because nothing got revealed other than like, oh yeah, you already knew that you were splashed by the stuff and you grew into turtles. But yeah, that's what the original secret, like the original script was because uh, they even changed it was what is it, techno global whatever industries it's supposed to be techno cosmic research industries which is tcri but they had to get rid of all the alien stuff because they thought it was going to be confusing and maybe it would have been because the cartoon left no room for interpretation there because krang was the bad guy you can't have a good can't have a good brain in the tummy as a good as a good guy there's there's a lot of other stuff that i'd like to <laughs> address in that movie first off the original the first movie, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie, had uh, Jim Henson design those suits. The masks, um, all of the electronics and machine parts and whatnot for controlling all the facial expressions in those original first movie costumes were in the shell. That's why the shells were so big. But for the second movie, Secret of the Ooze, they were redesigned and all of the uh, mechanics and whatnot are actually in those heads, which makes them way more heavy and way more bulky and goofy looking. I've seen some pictures of those guys that had to wear the suits and they just look like they're dying. <laughs> well yeah because there's not enough ventilation in there like if you read any of the uh like any interview with those dudes in the suits like they were they would say how incredibly hot like they would lose like 10 pounds of sweat and then like there's too much carbon dioxide getting caught in there so they would get sleepy <laughs> and wouldn't be able to do stuff it's like that sounds like a horrific nightmare and they didn't do a whole lot of night shoots on that that was a lot of daytime stuff for some reason also um first movie was very closely uh, related to the comic books and it had the same spirit where like the turtles were actually cutting down dudes and beating the crap out of foot ninja like in tatsu when he beats up that kid in the locker room he killed that kid but in post they're like oh no he'll be okay they <laughs> they adr'd that in so it was way way rougher than the, the second one because moms were like we don't like how violent it was so if you watch the movie again those turtles don't use any of their weapons for fighting no never like like at one point leo throws them into the ceiling to get them out of his hands so he can just punch a guy <laughs> Yep. And then Michelangelo grabs the, like the sausage links and uses them as nunchucks. And it's okay. That's fine. It's silly in the best possible 90s way. <laughs> it is. But also like a lot of homes don't have nunchucks lying around. I get that. Maybe you don't want your kids pretending like maybe two wrenches tied together are a nunchuck. I get that. But like he also takes a yo-yo and swings that around and bashes in like six dudes heads. And I feel like there are way more yo-yos than there were nunchucks lying around in my house anyway. I, I think I had more than one. Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, you know, fine, fine. Let's not have them use their ninja weapons. Okay. They they just completely like cut out Casey Jones on us that we had gotten in that first movie in a solid way. Yeah. Yeah, but we got Kino. I don't think that's an improvement. No, it's not. Remember how in like the first 5 minutes of meeting him, he calls a girl fat? It's yeah. like his first line. No, he he was not a, he was not better. Kino's the worst. He was one of the suit actors uh, in the first movie though. I think he was Michelangelo. I'm sorry I keep going back to the first movie, but I, I really love that one. Um, the suit actors are often, like, they're actually in the scene with the, somebody else in the suit. So, like, when Raphael rolls across the hood of a car, the guy in the back of that cab, that's the regular suit actor for him. Michelangelo, when he interacts with the pizza guy, uh, the pizza guy is the guy who's usually in that turtle suit. Forget who Donatello and Leonardo Leonardo are, but uh, I think it's really neat that they had those little touches in there. That's that's really cool. I like I like it when films do that kind of yeah. stuff to get you know, the nod to the people. 
people who are making it happen. Yeah, it's really cool. Not like uh, the most recent or the second most recent one where they're, hey, guy, I know we were going to have you do the voice of Leonardo uh, because you're suit acting him, but instead we're going to have Johnny Knoxville come in. Cool. Just booted that dude out. Before we get down the road into uh, those two <laughs> particular films, <laughs> I do think we need to touch on a couple of other important things on uh, on Secret of the Ooze. Uh, in no particular order, uh, Toka and Razor, Super Shredder and Vanilla Ice. <laughs> I recently, well, not recently, within the last 10 years, I found my movie magazine uh, for Secret of the Ooze. It is so 90s with the layouts and whatnot and <laughs> just random floating geometric shapes. And in it, there is an interview with one Vanilla Ice and it states how they discovered him in Texas and were just in awe of his his freestyle raps and his dance moves and like we gotta get this guy involved with our movie and they have a, a photo of him looking over his shoulder doing the vanilla ice symbol with his hands he makes a v he does like the vulcan he does the vulcan symbol but he bends two of his fingers down so it creates a v for vanilla he's vanilla ice I, why why was he in it <laughs> why did he already have that okay freestyle sure but there were choreographed dance moves in that ninja rap there uh there certainly were and I mean, look, I'm not going to lie. I know the ninja rap mostly <laughs> by heart, and I don't feel bad about that. But to this day, it's just an odd, odd, like, tonal shift when you go into that warehouse. Yeah, that movie's all over the place, though. They got to find their new place to live. Raphael goes out on his own because he's a lone wolf who does stuff alone because he's a loner. Because that's the only story they can tell with him, apparently, sometimes. Because, like, at some point, they're going to be, they are dangled over a whole bunch of sharp stuff. And they're going to be impaled. But we also we also do get, you know, some some genuine fun moments with the turtles interacting with Shredder. Yeah, he like Shredder is such a great villain in the comics and in that first movie. He is legitimately terrifying. And in the second one, he's kind of a cartoon. He's like the cartoon Shredder who is inept and bumbling. And he just drinks the ooze and turns into super shredder which looks cool the suit looks cool i will admit that and then he just knocks down a pier on top of himself it's like dude what was the plan they got away man why did you mutate your helmet with the ooze that didn't make sense to me there was no there's no real point but i think i think kind of the last thing that i want to touch on on this one is uh toga and razor well they wanted to do bebop and rocksteady but laird said no he didn't want to do that they wanted he wanted the comics to be separate from this for some reason but eastman was like yeah let's do something and he okayed uh different mutants that were made specifically for this film that are uh, rough dumb and unnecessary the best versions of toka and razor are in turtles in time let's just say it that's that's a sad statement in and of itself <laughs> you take that back turtles in time is amazing No, uh, Toka and Razor had, they had no business being in there. No. You didn't need more mutants, and making them babies made them completely ineffective. Yeah, they just, they didn't do anything well, and they ended up just reduced to nothing with a fire extinguisher. (laughs) Yeah. But the costumes were okay. Like, the facial expressions you get out of Toka are pretty neat. No, they, they definitely had learned a lot with the animatronics that they had that they had used previously. Yeah. Uh, you can you can see a lot of quality work there, even if not necessarily the safest. Yeah. I mean, with the script they had, they did what they could, but it, the, the, there were just script problems up and down. I mean, it's, it's an entertaining movie, but it is by no means a good one. I mean, it's better than the third one where they go back in time because reasons. And I, it's better than the two 
new ones. While we're on the subject of movies, just real fast, um, let's uh, let's skip over the third one because no one wants to talk about the turtles <laughs> in samurai armor on horses. It's because they played fast and loose with time travel rules. They have to be the same mass or whatever. Uh, but the, there's so much going on in that movie, and so much of it doesn't pay off. And but it, I, they found that magic scepter. Tip to toe, just ridiculous. Yeah. But uh, let's let's land on that uh, that. CGI animated movie right in the middle. Of the oh, it's so underrated. I love that movie. It's great. It really is. It may or may not be canon because there are hints or, and little touches from uh, the previous movies in there. Like at the end when Raphael is giving up the Night Watcher helmet to Splinter, you can see all the other stuff like the Time Scepter's there. You'll see Shredder's helmet. You'll see some cracked TCR vials. Uh, everything's in there. So it may or may not be canon. I Nobody really knows. But that movie's so solid. And everybody hated it because it wasn't live action. And it's like, well, you didn't see the next mutation. That was, it can be bad, guys. But this movie is so good. Like, that fight scene between Leonardo and Raphael on the rooftop is one of the best things ever choreographed in Turtles, honestly. It's so solid. And you get a legitimate air of menace from Leo that you don't really see otherwise. Right? Because he's not having to worry about his brothers and he's actually able to just unleash a bit. Yeah, like that moment when Raphael stabs his side next to Leo's head and you see the anger in his face and it just melts away and he realizes what he does. And like you can just see it in this CGI turtle man's face, how sad and shocked at himself he just became. And then he runs away and it's beautiful and heartbreaking. And then uh, it's so good. It's so underrated. I love that movie so much. And it's got such a solid cast. Like Chris Evans is in that. He's Casey Jones, which is like his (laughs) at the time, like 10th comic book movie. (laughs) That dude's all over the place. Like I love that like Donatello becomes the, IT guy, Michelangelo's going out to do parties for little kids. It fits so well. And Mako, Mako as Master Splinter is so perfect and beautiful. I don't know if you watched Avatar The Last Airbender, but uh, Mako as Uncle Iroh is one of my favorites. And he's such a great voice actor and he is such, I don't know, there's like, you can sense the love in his voice and you can just feel exactly, he's such a great actor. Well, we're going to, we're going to jump real quickly again to, uh, (laughs) You can you can have just a couple minutes here and tell us exactly <laughs> what is wrong with Michael Bay's head. Well, uh, he fundamentally doesn't understand what makes the turtles great. I will s- actually, you know what? The one positive thing about the two Michael Bay movies, you know how Leonardo's re- weapon is a katana. Yeah. These Michael Bay movies were the only ones where he actually had a katana because katana are bent or uh, are curved. In every other incarnation, including the cartoons, uh, Leonardo was holding a straight blade, which is often referred to as a ninjoto. So Michael Bay got one thing correct. Good job. One out of two movies. You've seen them both, right? And uh, anybody yeah, who's listening to this probably yeah. has seen them, and I'm not going to spoil it, I'm going to assume. Uh, it's garbage. Um, Shredder is just a pointy Megatron, or Iron Man, who's pointy. Uh, he has no connection to the Turtles. The Turtles were April O'Neil's pets. Uh, and she fed them pizza. And they, they, look, they look like Shrek monsters. They do, which is about the worst thing, because I get it, they're mutants, and they're supposed to look kind of monstrous or whatever, but they're also supposed to be like 5'3 and not 7 feet tall. Uh, they're not supposed to be able to throw around shipping containers like they do, and then they forget how they can do that. So much sighing. I saw the movie by myself in the theater on like a Saturday afternoon, because I didn't want to disturb anybody else's 
experience of the movie because I knew I wasn't going to like it, but I didn't want to be rude. And I threw my hands up at least twice. They just didn't understand, especially in, in the second one. There's no sense of time and they just crammed Krang in there for reasons. And the Shredder's also super ineffective and gets taken out like a punk. And Bebop and Rocksteady are awful. I just, ugh, Michael Bay, dude, just give it over to Nickelodeon and let them handle it. And they got it. Trust me. They got it. Uh, we're going to we're gonna come back to Nickelodeon here, but we do want to uh, step down into the realm of TV. Uh, we're going to talk about something worse than that. <laughs> I think quite possibly the lowest point in the franchise, and I, and I include Michael Bay in that. <laughs> this was our listener recommendation. Um, I blame Shannon Maynard. 100 percent for this uh she she I mean, recommended i was gonna that we bring it up about... but i didn't want to focus on it because it's the only ninja turtle franchise it's the only piece of ninja turtles that i actively hate and couldn't watch all of uh shannon wanted us to talk about one character in this that we are going to talk about but she opened the floodgates and made <laughs> us talk about teenage mutant ninja turtles the next mutation <sighs> the very brief live action series. It came out um, the same year as uh, Power Rangers in Space, which puts it around, I was what, fifth or sixth grade at that time? And I have no idea what, what year that was, but it was a while ago. All of the effort that the original movies, the first three movies took into making their uh, their live action puppets look realistic and have the little micro expressions that make things, something look alive. This show had none of that budget. So all of them just look horrific. A lot of the time on wide shots, their mouth are just open and their eyes are just bugged out and it's terrifying it's it's not even it's not even just the suits which are garbage but shredder looks like a a homemade halloween costume like tinfoil and all <laughs> he looks like dollar store shredder that you get at halloween and they remove him from as the villain pretty quickly which okay fine you want to take it in a new dynamic you want to introduce a new villain that's fine that could be interesting but instead you get this dragon monster and drag it puppet and you replace the foot ninja basically you <laughs> just take away the part that covers their eyes and put in some dragon face in there all right that's pretty lazy guys and and you end up with something that's like the bad end of the super sentai scale in terms of monster <laughs> design like just yeah. genuine garbage and somehow made him more incompetent than like the 80s series shredder this dude can't get anything done like there's many episodes where he has the turtles like maybe two turtles on the ground in front of him and he's holding a sword and doesn't finish the job not that i want to see the heroes lose but it's like bro you're you are wasting time and not doing the thing that you set out to do yeah you know it's and it's it's not even like the typical like i'm gonna gloat and tell you my plan it's just yeah it's just him not doing it <laughs> Also, they decided to add the fifth turtle. And in a real, really creepy moment, five minutes after Leonardo meets him, meets her, her name's Venus, Venus de Milo, who isn't a famous painter like the other guys. But, you know, fine, whatever. V the f <laughs> like five minutes after meeting Venus, Leonardo's like, you know, we're not really siblings. Oh, the worst retcon. I got so mad at this. Not only does it make them not brothers anymore, it also opens up this whole weird romantic idea and it's just like uncomfortable right away and i just don't i don't like it i don't know why everybody's obsessed with adding another turtle because you don't need to i get it you wanted to add a female because you didn't want to use april for whatever reason a female turtle wouldn't need boobs because they're no. reptiles and they lay eggs and they don't nurse their young so there's no reason to do that great idea let's add another turtle let's let's add a female hero to this great and then someone immediately said hey how fast can we objectify her <laughs> 
And it just went Turns zero out immediately. to ten immediately. Also, her bandana is going to have a braid, so you know she's the girl. Also, she doesn't get a weapon, really. She has balls that she throws and magic because she's a magic turtle. Brain magic. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes a cape. And they screwed up Michelangelo's weapon. Like, they give him tonfa instead of nunchucks. I don't know why. The cartoon, the 80s cartoon, had to get away from uh, nunchucks because, like, overseas, like, in the UK, it's illegal to have nunchucks, or it was at that time. And it was a. they also frowned upon ninjas. So over there, it was Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. And that's why in the later seasons of the original series, Michelangelo was just using the grappling hook instead of nunchucks. But, like, in the 90s, I don't think that was a thing. Why is it because... It's probably because the costume was too bulky and he kept hitting himself in the face. So they gave him tonfas instead. The, the last episode that's available on Netflix over here is the last episode of season one. And it's basically all the guy turtles talking about how utterly incompetent Venus is. And we don't need this garbage. So uh, <laughs> they, they just swung for the fences and yeah. just knocked that right out of the park. It's so bad. Like it, the villains, like there's a monkey named Silver. I guess he's a gorilla man. His name is Silver and there's no articulation in his face. He's one of the back actors from uh, Planet of the Apes. They just grabbed that mask up cheap. <laughs> They're like, yeah, it's fine. It'll be fine. Nobody's going to notice. These are dumb kids. Thank you, Saban. Thank you for trying so hard. It's really kind of that low point in 90s live action shows that were being tried by Saban at the time. You know, we got VR Troopers and Beetleborgs. <laughs> and if you want my thoughts on those, go follow my Twitter. Uh, Beetleborgs. Uh, you know the Frankenstein monster? Unfortunately. Frankie, I think his name is. Yeah. There's a mad scientist in Next Mutation who has that exact mask, but with white hair instead of black. I don't know why he looks like a Frankenstein, or excuse me, a Frankenstein's monster. But he does. I think it's so they can just reuse the same actor a couple of times because I think he comes up in a couple of different places because uh, Saban doesn't pay any money. He doesn't have to. No, not a not a single penny more than he has to. And that shows real hard in this. Like they try to follow on from the movies, the live action movies. You know, the turtles are based down in the subway in that real nice, you know, subway building they find in turtles 2 yeah but it's a cheap knockoff version of it with christmas lights yeah it's the worst that's that is one of the things like i love the first movie because the turtles lair looks crappy it's full of garbage because that's what they would be able to find in the sewer in the michael bay movies they have like expansive 50,000 tv walls and holographic computers they shouldn't have such nice stuff they live in a sewer and have no money and like the the next mutation lair is kind of crappy but it's not full of garbage it, it's fine it could be better but it's it's fine donatello builds a vandegrave generator at some point out of garbage look i know he's the, a techno genius or whatever but you can't you can't build advanced technology with crap you find in a sewer you just can't that's an egregious thing that comes back a lot you know in some of them you can get away with it. Some of them, it looks good. What What's the worst is they have a Hummer and they reuse footage of them getting into the Hummer in every episode. And the constant slogans everybody's screaming is the worst thing in the world. I know it's supposed to sound quippy and fun, but it's just exhausting. Like Raphael always yells, let's raff and roll whenever he gets on his motorcycle and they drive away. And then there's like, it's green time and it's uh, ninja so, time. It's ninja time. It's not, though. Stop stop yelling, because ninjas are quiet. Ninjas are quiet. And nothing about that show is quiet. Nothing, especially the colors. I, it's nice to see everything brightly covered, colored, especially in today's grim and gritty ninja tur- or, uh, superhero world. It's nice to see the bright colors, but uh, do better. Be better. That's all I want. <laughs> well, before we get to better, um, 
we have to deviate <laughs> a little bit to uh, what may be the, one of the more fun discussions we have, but uh, not necessarily a quality one. Uh, do you want to tell us about the fourth one? The, uh, the black sheep of the Ninja Turtles family? The, uh... <laughs> the coming out of their shell tour or their uh, Christmas oh, rap yeah. album? Yes. Um, do yourself a favor and uh, Google the rap rap. Uh, it's about wrapping presents and the turtles star in it and they have a whole like hand or high five dance thing uh, that I would say is on par with Anna Kendrick's cups performance. No, it's not <laughs> at all. It, but watch it. It's horrible. It's the worst. I don't know who wrote these songs. I don't know who performed them. All I know is that it's garbage. <laughs> And it's it's barely listenable. Like you listen to it once. That's all you need. Sky, I don't I don't know if you knew this, but um, they they were coming out of their shells for that concert tour. I think they may have mentioned that once or twice a second during that song. I don't know if there are other lyrics in that song besides coming out of our shells. <laughs> because it was in the wake of the first couple movies and everything was so violent. So they decided to do a tour where the turtles didn't have their weapons and they were just singing songs about being friends or whatever. So they went on tour and they had the turtles holding clearly fake musical instruments. Like there's a guitar. I think Raphael plays drums or something and they have no shells. Um, because that's difficult uh, to maneuver in a costume. So instead they have jean jackets, which is you know, basically the same thing. Pretty much for the 90s, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's the worst. So yeah, they, they sing songs. Um, basically, they're trying to promote, promote non-aggression, which is an admirable thing. But your show is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and you smash robots all the time. That's the entire purpose of the show, is to kick dudes in the face. And I get you're wanting to tell kids, maybe don't kick a guy in the face. It's, it's a noble ambition, but like... You're going against your brand. That's why it failed so hard. After you're done Googling uh, the rap rap, uh, maybe check out the uh, the clip from Oprah when she had on the Ninja Turtles. That's so bad. It is horrific. Like April comes on and she uh, does a lot of speaking for the Turtles. Like Donatello and Raphael do a lot of the talking for whatever reason. Michelangelo and Leonardo, the more popular guys, don't speak a whole lot. And there's a weird, there's a lot of weird stuff happening between their dynamic because like it feels like Raphael's implied a romantic relationship between him and April it's uncomfortable to say the least and then at some point Shredder shows up and he looks even worse than next mutation Shredder and he threatens the turtles and he sorry there's a moment where he says something to one of the kids in the audience about dating either mom or something and it's great it's it's a long video the one that I saw and if you can stand it I would I would watch it once there is a uh a, a monologue song that Splinter has called Skippin' Stones, and it's the worst thing ever recorded. It sounds like a Neil Diamond song, you know, put through a garbage disposal. Yeah, not great. Not great at all. No, the whole thing is pretty, is a pretty rough, pretty rough chapter, and yeah, <laughs> it makes for some fun, like, pre-theater viewing at an Alamo Drafthouse now in brief snippets. <laughs> But it's definitely just weird to look at that and go, why Why did you do that? Well, they wanted to appease all the angry moms who, you know, these, my children's heroes are hitting people with weapons. Yeah, but they're, they're cartoons. And how many swords do you have in your house, lady? Enough to be worried about? If, if you have a couple of katana lying around, I think that that, that fault may be on you <laughs> a little bit more than on the show. Yeah. Maybe reconsider your decoration choices. <laughs> I feel like that's a fair assessment. Do you want to keep talking about the rap or do you want to uh, head over to something uh, a little bit happier? I I don't have much else to say. I mean, <laughs> what else can you say other than watch it once, then never go back to it? Ever. Never, ever. Um, 
maybe maybe just go take a long hard look at your life and be thankful that you don't have to suffer anymore christmas songs can be bad but you still like hearing them around christmas time this album dude like it's just top to bottom you can't it's unlistenable (laughs) one time never back well then on the on the plus side we're going to uh transition over and do something a bit more modern and something that uh michael bay definitely should have paid a lot more attention to (laughs) Uh, and that's the uh the nickelodeon series now, when this was first announced and I saw like uh, the initial art for it and I saw all of the turtles had blades and I was like, oh, they're taking it in a, forgive the pun, much edgier uh, direction. And I was worried it was going to be a next mutation. Uh, <laughs> I was worried about a next mutation situation because as we've stated pretty clearly, the next mutation is just just hot garbage. I, I love classic 2D animation. I think it's wonderful because there's so much work that goes into it and uh, CG is easier and can look better, but it kind of takes away some of the charm for me. So I was hesitant when this mo- or when this uh, show was announced uh, because I was just worried. Turtles are very dear to me and I was worried, but uh, it finally came around and I watched the first episode and I knew right away Nickelodeon knew exactly what they were doing and I was so thrilled. Write down every detail, like Master Splinter is fantastic. All of the turtles have their personalities that fit them perfectly and it's just it's in every way a perfect show it really is and and i think what's what's really great is we mentioned that we were going to touch on the the uh leonardo and Raphael thing and they go to that well a few times they do but it doesn't make you exhausted because it's a different kind of relationship that they have oh absolutely and and at one point like leo just gets fed up with raf and just says <laughs> fine you take those two bozos and you go lead the team. I'm going to go do this thing. And Raph had never truly, at the, up to that point, had never truly experienced the actual burden of leadership that Leo has. Yeah. And he's literally paralyzed in the middle of a fight because of it. <laughs> yeah. The first episode uh, comes around and the turtles, we get to see their first experience with pizza. We get to see them uh, go out for the first time. We get to see a whole bunch of awesome stuff that we didn't really get uh, with any of the other series. Master Splinter is so great in this. I I love how these more recent versions of Master Splinter have him not being like a fragile uh, old man, basically. Like the original series, he didn't really do a whole lot. The movies, he was very breakable in a very literal sense because that puppet was, it looked real fragile. But like this Master Splinter, Master Splinter rather, because that's his actual name, uh, is an extremely capable, competent ninja master. Um, they did go back to uh, him being an actual human being who was turned into a rat man uh, instead of him being a pet of uh, Hamato Yoshi and getting mutated, which is fine. I, that origin doesn't bother me as much as uh, them finding a book in the sewer and learning ninja <laughs> from that, which is the worst thing you could have ever done in the world, guys. <sighs> but Master Splinter in this is <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, so we see them, like, interact with pizza, and, like, they do the anime cutaways where, like, Michelangelo's head explodes, and he's like, you guys wouldn't like it, I'm gonna go ahead and eat all of it, and we get introduced to uh, the Krang, which are Utram, which are the robots with the the brains in their stomachs, Uh, and we meet the Shredder and the Foot, and everything about it is so well done. The Foot Ninja and Shredder are so well done, like, all of the Foot Ninja are silent except for when they get taken down sometimes, Um, and the dynamic between Shredder and Splinter is so authentic, like, you can 
sense the hatred that uh, Orokosaki has for Hamato Yoshi and it is oh, it's so well done. It comes to a head at the end of season three where the turtles are actually fighting with the Foot Clan to save the world from the Triceratons and uh, I don't want to spoil it for you but Orokosaki makes a call that is so perfect for his character and then the turtles go into space because of course they do. The, the, the great thing about it is we've been kind of conditioned in all the video formats that the foot clan is worthless, (laughs) like just functionally useless. And in this one, they're not, they are a legitimate threat every time they show up. And that's what makes it so great. Like eventually they do get other um, mutant villains. Like the character, Chris Bradford turns into a a giant monster dog and they have fish face Mm -hmm. and other stuff, which sounds silly. And it is, but it's also really good. Like Chris Bradford uh, has a series of dojos or whatever. And he's, uh, he's basically Chuck Norris, but named Chris Bradford instead. And he becomes a giant monster dog named Dog Pound. Because Michelangelo's thing is he names everybody. <laughs> it's a delight. Oh, and Rob Paulson comes back to do uh, to do another turtle. He was the voice of Raphael in the original series, and now he's doing Donatello. Oh, I love Rob Paulson. Like, the whole cast is so rock solid. Like, Kevin Michael Richardson as Shredder, perfect. Oh, yeah, and so menacing. Like, that man is scary when you first meet him. He is terrifying. He, uh, yeah, he's got, he's so good. Like his, uh, his deployable claws from his gauntlets and the just horrifying air about him and the low way he talks. And the first time he meets the turtles, like if you watch that and you read the original comic book, you can see like frame by frame like shot for shot, how it was recreated when they first originally fought the Shredder and he takes them to school. (laughs) Because that first instance, Shredder kicks the crap out of them. Like there's one scene that is absolutely amazing where he uh, is fighting Michelangelo and he kicks him and Michelangelo is spinning on his side incredibly quickly, but he bounces a couple times, but he manages to throw a couple of shuriken at him and Shredder blocks him and it's, it's so well done. It's so good. The choreography in that cartoon is, it's masterful. Like you could teach classes using this cartoon. Oh yeah, and what one of the things I love, you know, kind of talking about how Shredder took them to school. You know, you do get the very clear like Raphael is hands down the best fighter, and Leo is just right behind him. And there is a little bit of a skill gap there between him and Donnie and Mikey. Yeah, but all <laughs> four of them are super competent, like on their own merits. Yeah, which is something you don't see a lot. That actually gets brought up in the show where uh, Donatello is, Master Splinter tells Donatello how he's overthinking everything and he needs to be more present in the moment. And he kind of takes a couple of swings at Michelangelo, who isn't paying attention, but is able to dodge the attacks that Master Splinter throws at him until the last one where he throws him against a wall. But, you know, that's just how it it works. That's just Splinter. That's how Splinter says hello to them, pretty much. (laughs) There there is a great episode. It's it's in the first season. and I don't, I don't want to spoil this for people who, who might not have discovered this yet. Like I had not until a few weeks ago. Um, <laughs> but at one point, Splinter, through means, gets kind of mind controlled. And he gets ordered to fight the turtles. Oh, man. That's such an intense and episode. Just, like two fingers he uses to just break all of them. <laughs> and he's like yep. barely even moving, just throwing them all around. It's really amazing to watch. Like you get the respect that they have for him. Because he may have taught them everything they know, but he hasn't yet taught them everything he knows. And they're still kids. And he's, you know, uh, an extremely experienced and competent ninja master. Yeah, he's every, uh, he's so good. Uh, and April O'Neil's in it. Because of course she is. Talk about April a little bit because she comes into this and she's also a kid. 
Yeah. They aged uh, they aged everybody down. In season three, when they go into space, they actually put her in a yellow jumpsuit like she wears in the original 80s cartoon, which is hilarious. Yes. It is quite a delight. And she has a ray gun that looks like that uh, that camera that she had from the action figure. Yeah, April O'Neil, her dad gets abducted or mutated i'm sorry it's been a bit but uh her dad gets kidnapped by uh some aliens known as the krang uh so she ends up needing help from the turtles and the turtles obviously lend a hand and she stays with her aunt because her dad's missing and uh she just becomes part of the team and donatello has a crush on her which makes things a little bit weird but whatever it's fine yeah sometimes it's a little too cw drama but yeah, I mean, they could have made it a lot weirder than it is, and it's not really that weird when you're watching the cartoon. No, it, it works. It makes sense. Yeah. But what's really great is, like, Shredder, or uh, Splinter takes an interest in her. Yeah. And offers to train her. As a kunoit, which is a, a lady ninja, for those of us who don't know. Um, yeah, because he can sense in her uh, potential, and uh, as the series progresses, uh, she does gain a lot of ninja te- skills and techniques and stuff, and she actually has uh, latent psychic powers, which is a weird touch, but it makes sense within the context of the story they're telling. That comes into more play um, in the season two. Season two, not unlike The Walking Dead, spends a lot of time on the farm, because uh, the turtles get uh, pretty beaten up. At the end of season one by uh, several reasons, uh, mostly uh, Treader related. Uh, so they go to the farm to hole up, you know, like you do when you're in a Ninja Turtles franchise. I th- I would say they spent a little too much time there because it kind of got real weird and boring. But eventually they come back and it, it takes a whole other direction. Because like in the cartoon, there's uh, a lot of mutagen that got lost. So there's a lot of random mutants popping up and the turtles feel responsible because they were the responsible for all of that mutagen getting lost in the first place. So, you know, they go and they try to clean it up and they try to do their best to take care of uh, their responsibilities which is a good lesson for the kids and they they introduce all of the classic um, characters like we meet Leatherface we meet uh, eventually we meet Krang the uh, Krang Prime anyway who else is in there Bishop shows up we've got Wingnut and Screwloose just came out in this season uh, Mondo Gecko appears at some point the uh, the frogs the battle toads I like uh, Genghis Frog and all of those guys show up at some point while they're at the farm and Napoleon Bonafrog is there and he is played by the guy who did Napoleon Dynamite oh nice yeah but it, it's it's so well done and it's clearly well thought out um, and everybody on the cast is so solid and I just I love everything about this cartoon yeah the, like their characters are, are more than just the distilled theme song of them uh, like I will say this uh, the for the Nick series they actually the theme song is pretty emulative of uh, the 80s series um, but it is actually really good like Leonardo's the leader in blue who does anything it takes to get his ninjas through and you know stuff like that Donatello has, has a way with machines and Raph has the most attitude on the team Michelangelo knows when it's party time etc so I mean it's it's very close but like in the actual show they're not just sound bites and quips they're uh they're fully fledged characters and they actually have a lot of different arcs and uh thoughts and like the animation itself is is so good if you if you're not looking for it you'll miss it but like the turtles have these little micro expressions like when you get a close up of them and you can see their eyes and they're listening to somebody else talk you can see their eyes kind of shift back and forth as if they're looking at uh you know they're switching eyes that they're focusing on while they're talking to that person it's uh it's so good it's so so good everything in this series just looks amazing they got their style and they commit to it and it doesn't <laughs> it's not like an exceptionally cheesy or an exceptionally dark and gritty look like it's a colorful world yeah like the mutagen itself is all crazy glow and purple and it actually looks really pretty yeah 
it it is it is definitely a a show for kids. Um, <laughs> you know, you get that and kind of the pacing and the whole lesson of the week thing. But but you also get like that overarching sense that we are back to these are the turtles themselves. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And in a way that I think we haven't really had in a long time. Yeah, the O3 series was really solid and uh, it was pretty closely related to the comic and it was really good, but you know, the, there's quite the gap in between then and now. Uh, and it, that series got real weird at the end when they ran out of ideas and threw them into the future and then back into the internet and stuff. So that one went off the rails, but like this one... <laughs> So it's been really good. Like in this uh, the last season, the uh, Nickelodeon turtles meet the uh, 80s series turtles in an episode. Like they're just from a different dimension and they get the old voice actors to come back and do the, uh, the, the 80s turtles. And it's oh nice, perfect. It's so good. So you see a 3D rendered uh, Krang the brain from the 80s, but in uh, the style of the Nick cartoon. And it's it's everything you want it to be. It's so good. That's that is awesome. And I think I think that's going to be a good place to kind of wrap up the discussion there of (laughs) of the Ninja Turtles. So so right now with with the people who are kind of in control, in charge of it, um, Michael Bay accepted. (laughs) Do you feel that we're moving in a really solid direction for the Turtles Uh, with the Nick series? Absolutely. It's like the we didn't talk about uh, the current comics, but the current current comics are actually really solid, too. And this Nick series is the best cartoon that they've produced with the Turtles so far. If Nickelodeon could somehow get the rights to do the movies and banish whoever is in charge right now to the fifth pit of hell or whatever, I'd be cool with that. A couple years ago, there was that lotto that was like half a billion dollars. And my plan was to purchase the Ninja Turtles and take care of them for the rest of the <laughs> my life that I won. <laughs> didn't happen but nickelodeon seems to be on top of it so i'm i'm good with that awesome well sky thank you once again for for coming on and talking about this this was a lot of fun oh yeah thank you so much oh real quick who's your favorite turtle um oh man it gotta be donnie for all the same reasons that i love billy on power rangers uh, (laughs) i love donnie that's an excellent reasoning and an excellent choice so um sky tell us where uh, people can find you online if uh, if they want to look you up and follow you yeah, um, all of my Twitter or all of my uh, internet handles are the same. It's uh, Sandwich Surplus, all one word. Um, I'm on Instagram, Tumblr, and Twitter under that. Um, I've been on a couple of different podcasts. Um, I did a couple episodes of Pokemon World Tour United. I did Gas Cast with uh, Jake and Josh. I'm. Uh, <laughs> I will be on the Morphin Grid pretty soon talking about Power Rangers. Um, I was just on We're All Over This talking about Pokemon with a couple other friends of mine and i think that's all of the ones i have so far i kind of have an idea for a podcast project i like like to do myself but still kind of in the weeds with that so i'll keep you posted and uh, you guys can find this show uh on the internet at fifthdraw.com we're on twitter at fifthdraw uh you can follow my personal twitter at matt hoadley and uh we'll see y'all next week bye (laughs) 